So living on the West Coast, living in the subculture of Olympia, it means that I normally don't dress up. Amen? Uh, It usually means I don't give a ton of thought to my clothes. Usually, most days, jeans and a sweatshirt will do. Uh, But this summer, in the span of a few weeks, I had some fashion interruptions. First of all, a funeral. So I, in early September, I oversaw Callie's grandmother's memorial service. That's her 98-year-old grandma. But you don't usually wear jeans and a sweatshirt to a funeral. Then two weeks later, I officiated a wedding. Josiah and Grace Downen got married on this beautiful spot that overlooked the water, just, just a little bit south of the Canadian border. Beautiful. You don't usually wear jeans and a sweatshirt to a wedding. Some do, but I didn't. A wedding, a funeral, And then a few weeks after that, uh, my high school-aged son and daughter went to homecoming at Olympia High School, and because we are so fashionably laid back, my son had nothing to wear to homecoming. He had no dress clothes to speak of. Uh, He didn't have a suit to wear or a shirt or a tie or dress shoes, so I spent a Saturday morning walking through the mall on the west side looking for that very thing, jacket, pants, shirt tie. We walked through J.C. Penney's. We walked through Macy's trying to find something that wouldn't break the bank. And as we were out there wandering through the mall that day, other, we, we, we ran into Nick. He was there shopping for homecoming too. We ran into a bunch of Logan's basketball teammates. So these like teenage boys wandering through dress shirts and ties looking lost and dazed and confused. Why though were they shopping? Because you dress for the day. Right? You dress for the day, whether it's a funeral or a wedding or homecoming. There's an unwritten understanding that what you wear should sync up with the story of the day, with the narrative in play. And when in doubt, you ask someone that you trust, hey, what are you wearing? Because you don't want to show up being that person wearing something that doesn't match the day. What are you wearing? Right, that's more than just fashion advice. It's actually a prophetic question. What are you wearing? Open your Bibles tonight to Colossians chapter 3. What are you wearing? If we were a Pentecostal church, I'd have you tap your neighbor and say, What are you wearing? Colossians chapter 3. We're digging into the heart of this letter. We've been here for a while now, but we are now knee-deep into the series in the book of Colossians, talking about Christ over all. And in a way, moving into chapter 3 tonight, this letter changes. It flips. Paul opened up the letter with a greeting. He opened up the letter with a poem, the Jesus poem. Chapter 2 was all about his warnings, and he had lots of warnings for the church, what not to do, what not to give into, how not to proceed, what not to be taken captive by. By the way, it's anything that would lead you away from Jesus. Paul gets into his warning about legalism. Anything being added to the finished work of Jesus? 
whether it's a, a spiritual experience or religious observance or legalistic rules or prohibitions, Paul is very direct and very clear that Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. So we've had lots of warnings so far through the letter. Avoid this. Be on guard about that. Don't let this take root. Anything that leads you away from the sufficiency of the gospel and the preeminence of Christ. And warnings are good. They should warn us. They should get our attention. But then what? You can't just live on warnings. <laughs> you can't just not do something. Like you have to, at some point, you got to do something. What are you called to? And now Paul turns the corner in chapter three. Listen to these words of wisdom. Paul retells the Jesus story. And then he reminds them that they are tethered into the Jesus story. And then he calls us and them to dress for your day. Colossians 3.1 If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, free, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So as Paul then calls this church forward, he does so through the framework of what I'm calling the Jesus story. And obviously there are four New Testament books called the Gospels that will give you the entirety of the Jesus story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can read those. But when people like Paul talk about Jesus, they often use shorthand. And they use these words and phrases that import a lot of meaning into a small phrase or a small section of words. So if I may, I think this is helpful to understand Colossians 3, but we're going to take me just a, a brief moment to get through this. L let me tell you the Jesus story first in shorthand. So when we're talking about the Jesus story, the writers of Scripture highlight the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus. And in those one, two, three, four, five, six words, it covers a lot of ground. And there's so much imported into this. If I say, oh yeah, the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus, I have just covered a lot of the Jesus story. Life. See, Jesus is eternally God in the beginning with God. Without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. 
But in God's great wisdom and plan of redemption, Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us. It's called the incarnation. It's the enfleshment of God. And we know this because of the Christmas story that Jesus was born to Mary. And Jesus lived Jesus lived a perfect life, announcing, demonstrating, and declaring that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you have the life of Jesus that we could go on and talk about forever. Teaching, healing, loving, calling people to repent. The life of Jesus. We also have the death of Jesus then. As many of you know, Jesus then was betrayed. He was arrested. He was beaten after a sham trial. And he was nailed to a Roman cross. A cross that Colossians 2 tells us. A cross where he forgave our trespasses. A cross where he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Paul says in Colossians 2. A cross where he nailed the legal demands to wood and he disarmed rulers and principalities and powers and he put them to open shame, triumphing over them. This big cross, the death of Jesus, a powerful cross, a cross that has split human history into the death of Jesus. And there's much more that could be said about the death of Jesus. Life, death. Oh, but my friends, don't you know on the third day? Don't you know the story? Friday, things looked bleak. Saturday, all of creation held its breath in silence. But don't you know, my friends, on Sunday morning, before the sun came up, the sun came up in resurrection. And the women came to the tomb in love and devotion, and they were shocked on that Easter morning when they found an empty tomb and an angel speaking to them saying, He is not here, for he has risen just like he said. Death to life, light out of darkness, burial to resurrection. Do you guys know the Jesus story? The life, the death, burial, resurrection. Ascension, because many days later, after appearing to his followers and restoring his fallen disciples in tender love, Jesus then was lifted up. Acts 1 tells us that part of the story, that a cloud took Jesus out of their sight, and Jesus ascended to heaven, fulfilling Daniel 7, where the Son of Man joins the Ancient of Days at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign over all things as the risen, vindicated King of kings and Lord of lords. And right now, my friends, this very night, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he has ascended and he is ruling over all things like right now he's ascended and during the ascension moment acts one the angels address the disciples and said hey what are you guys doing looking up at you know uh, i'm sure their jaws fell watching jesus rise up that day and they said why are you looking up into heaven and they were promised, this is Acts 1.11, they were promised that this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven 
not only ascension, but return. Life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, return. One day, my friends, Jesus is coming back. He is the risen, exalted, vindicated Lord of heaven and earth. But this is his world, and he will come back. And he, the revelation tells us, will wipe every tear from our eyes. And he will rejoin heaven and earth. And face to face, in the presence of God, we will enjoy the new heavens and the new earth in his presence forever. Have you heard the Jesus story? Life, death. Burial, resurrection, ascension, return. But even more than do you know the Jesus story, do you also know that you have been invited to live the Jesus story? And you've been invited to dress for the Jesus story. And maybe that took too much time tonight to go through that, but that's precisely what Colossians 3 is all about. See, here's Paul's big assumption as he writes Colossians 3, and many of us miss this. But for Paul, it was assumed, it was baked into what he was thinking about and writing about. He assumes that if you come to place your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord, he believes that your life is tethered together with the Jesus story, that your life story becomes inextricably bound to this. The Jesus story is now your story. Life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return. If you're a follower of Jesus, this becomes your story too. Because your life, Colossians 3, 3 says, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. How does that work? I don't fully know. Union, hidden with Jesus in God. The Jesus story now becomes your story, and therefore, this is the command that begins Colossians 3, set your mind there. You're being told a narrative every day. You're being told a story every day about what is true about you, what is true about life, what is true about God. Set your mind on this story. Set your mind on things above. Now, this is what you are called as a Jesus follower to seek, Colossians 3.1. Set your mind. Seek these things. Sync up your life with the Jesus story because they're now one and the same. They have been joined together so that then you can now dress for your day. I'm going to try and make this as clear as I can in the time that I have. Next slide. There's a funeral, there's a wedding, there's a season in between. Dress for your day. So first, there's there's a funeral. And I know it's not the specific order in the text, but it's clear here that in the Jesus story, and I would say in your story, Christian, that there's a funeral. There is death. Just like Jesus, there's death in your story. What does Colossians 3.3 say? For you have died. Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Your story won't make sense without the funeral story. And then he goes into all these things, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 8, he adds more, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. The best way I can describe the funeral process to you is in terms of clothing, 
What do you wear at a funeral? Maybe I should rephrase that. Not what do you wear when you attend somebody else's funeral, but what do you wear in the ancient world to your own funeral? You wore burial clothes. And there are two stories in the New Testament that talk about burial clothing that I think are really fitting in light of Colossians 3. I'm going to try and get through these as fast as I can. Follow me on this. John 11. There's so much about this story. This is the Lazarus story. It has to do with Jesus, one of his closest friends. Lazarus dies. The full story is crazy because Jesus gets word that his friend is going to die. But instead of springing to, act, springing to action, Jesus waits two more days. And he waits for his friend to die, which hacks off his sisters. Lazarus' sisters are not happy that Jesus didn't come sooner. Lots of tears, lots of hand-wringing. You read the whole story. It really is amazing. Let's skip to the end. This is John eleven thirty-eight. 38. It says, then Je- go ahead. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. I love that prayer. I I know this is how it works, but this is for their sake. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, and his hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Man, vivid imagery of the funeral, vivid imagery of the burial, death and burial. Again, verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha knows the drill. She's like, "Uh, by now? Like, it's going to stink. I love that the old King James says, he stinketh. All right, and Lazarus comes hopping out. Resurrection miracle for sure. What's he wearing, though? He's wearing burial clothes. Wrapped hands, feet, face, linen strips and a cloth. And then for Lazarus to now live his new life out of the tomb, the command comes from Jesus, unbind him. Because everyone knows that he can't live in his burial clothes. Everyone knows that he shouldn't live in his burial clothes. It's a little constricting, and they stink. Don't you know, my friends, that you shouldn't live in your burial clothes? Next New Testament story, this is John chapter 20. A few chapters later, this is the resurrection burial story. John 20, it's Easter Sunday. The women go to the tomb. They find it empty. They go tell the disciples. They run, and here's what they find. Verse 5, and stooping in to look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Not just random details, but noteworthy here. Because Jesus, fresh out of death, walking now in resurrection life, found the time to fold his burial clothes. He folded it up and he put it in its place. Because Jesus knows that when he rises from the dead, he doesn't need his burial clothes anymore either. 
They're left in the tomb. Burial clothes are for the grave. You don't dress in resurrection life like you did at your funeral. Do you see where I'm going with this? Dress for your day. Burial clothes are for the tomb, and they stinketh. When resurrection life happens, they are best unbound. They are best left over there. They are best folded and put away. They are no longer in order for your day. So Paul takes the Jesus story, life, death, burial, and he says, we are now by faith tethered to that life, death, burial. And you have to ask yourself, are there some clothes, my friends, that you're wearing from that day? Because you've died, he says, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Resurrection, ascension. So he says, put to death what's been killed. Don't dress like that. That is just not fitting to the story. All these old things that maybe mark the way that you did your life. Put off what stinketh and leave it, my friends, in the tomb. Sexual immorality, impurity. Evil desire, passions, covetousness, idolatry. Verse 7, he says, There was a day when you dressed like that and it was just fine. Today is not that day. Anger, sinful anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying, old self, old ways of showing up in the world, old you clothes. Paul says, There's been a funeral. So set your mind on that. Sync up with the story of the world. Life, death, burial. Keep going. Resurrection, ascension, and return. Dress for your day because after the funeral, there comes a wedding. Look at this interplay between verses 3 and 4. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's been a death. There's been a burial. There's been a funeral. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Verse 3 is the funeral. Verse 4 is the wedding to come. Verse 4 is the return. There's going to be a day, just like the angel said in Acts 1, there will be a day when he returns. There'll be a day when Jesus comes back, when Christ, who is your life, appears, and you will appear with him in glory because your life has been synced up with the Jesus story, and you are hidden now in Christ with God. So be mindful of your burial clothes, but now... In light of return, it's time to get dressed for the wedding. What are you going to wear? A couple of New Testament verses. Revelation chapter 21 paints the scene. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Here's your wedding clothes, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Ephesians 5 gives some more details. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus has been washing you. He's got the iron out. He's, He's pressing your life. No spot, not even a wrinkle, to be holy 
without blemish. Adorned as a bride for her husband. Next slide. Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Dress for your day, my friends. This is not a funeral. You have been buried. Old person, old you, old self, old habits. Set your mind on things above where Christ is because there's been resurrection, there's been ascension, and the return is coming soon and the wedding bells will sound. The marriage of the Lamb will come and it's going to be a feast of all feasts with the bride in fine linen, bright and pure. So back to Colossians 3 then. Like these words, he lists off these, this list. And you can make this a legalistic list. Many in church history have done this. Like, okay, sexual immorality, lying, anger, malice. You can make a bunch of commands. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Don't get sinful in your anger. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't watch porn. Don't do this. Don't do that. Paul is flipping the conversation here. This is not just another checklist for you to accomplish. He's actually saying, no, the story's different. Do you know the Jesus story? Do you know that you've been tethered to the Jesus story? So now the invitation is to live according to the story and dress for your day. I've heard people preach Colossians 3 with like a dualistic perspective, like set your mind on things above where Christ is because heaven's good, earth is bad. This is not a, like a, a focus on disembodied bliss. This is to get your eyes on the risen, ascended Jesus, who's coming back again, that we may live this life in our bodies, in our city, in our homes, in a very physical way, differently because of the work of Jesus. Physical things aren't bad. He's not just trying to get us to think more about angels and harps. He wants us to know Jesus and know his story and to find our place in it. Life, death, and burial have happened. So it's really just doesn't, it just doesn't fit for us to show up wearing the old clothes. So the question remains, my friends, what are you wearing today? Do you know what you're wearing? Sometimes in the Jones household, there's been a battle around which clothes get tossed out. And there are times that my wife goes through my closet and she puts some of my clothes in the Goodwill donation bag. And then I discover that she's done that. And I pull them back out of the Goodwill donation bag and I put them back in the closets. But there's times I've come out wearing things and she's like, oh no, you're not wearing that anymore. And there's times without her knowing it that I pull the things back out and I'm like, oh yeah, I am. What are you wearing? There's times in which God's like, no, you know what? It's time for you to stop wearing that. It just really doesn't look good on you at all. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, I think I can get one more wear out of this thing. 
as Jesus' followers, we've got to dress in light of resurrection, in light of the ascension of Jesus, mindful of wedding feast return. You've died. You have died if you are a follower of Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus without dying to yourself and your sin and your old ways. It's not because God hates you. It's because he loves you. And he wants you to actually be who he has made you to be. You've died. you raised with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So put to death that stuff. Put that stuff away. Dress for your day. And here's the thing about getting dressed. You have to do it every day. Right? You get dressed every day? Like, yet last week's dressing doesn't work today. Yesterday's dressing doesn't work. Like, every day you have to get up and get dressed. It's a choice every day. Same here. Today, you made a choice to put these clothes on. Tomorrow, you'll do the same. And you can do it again and again. So, as we get dressed, may. Jesus and his full story be preeminent over all things. How might your anger look different? How might your sexual expression look different? How might your desires, covetousness? What stinks and just needs to be thrown out? Folded up like Jesus and put in the grave. Where's God saying, don't wear that anymore? Are there old burial clothes that God is inviting you to take off? Could you name those tonight? Or as we do with our real clothes, maybe you need to ask some friends. Like, is this, should this shirt be worn? <laughs> is there anything I'm wearing that maybe God would want me to put off? And what might it look like for you to live and dress in the present and future story? This is not about ignoring the past or running from it or denying it, but examining it with curiosity. And with realism, knowing that Jesus has gone to great lengths to one day present you in splendor. So as Christians, we get to live that way now. Knowing the wedding is coming. It's time to get dressed for the wedding. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Your, your story is a far better story than the one that I tried to weave and tell for myself. So I celebrate life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And Jesus, we look forward to your return. But Lord, if we're honest, there's some stuff that we still are putting on every day that just doesn't fit. It stinks. It's out of line. It's not helpful so Lord, I pray that you would give us the ability, even tonight, in a moment of, of some reflection here, to hear what you're saying. What needs to be put off? What needs to be put to death? What new things can be put on? Not because we're trying to please you or earn your favor. That's already been dealt with. But help us experience The, the, the foretaste of the wedding to come. May we live today as a sneak preview of the coming attraction. One day face to face as your bride. 
We pray this in the name and the power of Jesus. Amen.